There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. How's it going, Des? <laughs> Great. We had a fun night. We had a lot Rachel. of chicken. We ate some spicy chicken and it was fucking good. Yeah. I loved it. It was so good. I really like the pickles too, by the way. The pickles are like for when you want to feel delicate after you just pounded a bunch of fried chicken and french fries. It's like fries. a grease palate cleanser. Right. But they were kind of, they were like the bread and butter style, but not overly sweet. That's I thought what they I'm were saying. good. Yeah. They were like a little. And we were dipping meal. it into honey, which is so good. Highly recommend. Oh my God. That was really good. And we watched the final game of the World Series. It was like the perfect night just yeah, now. Very good. It was like all the things I love baseball, fried chicken, and hanging out with Desi. <laughs> <laughs> roasting people yeah it was pretty fun so, so we're pretty, raring to go we're raring to go for the show okay i'm glad we ate before because i don't know we're gonna talk about eating on this but it's not not anything we want to eat surprise it's not necessarily anything we want to eat which is definitely a first yeah let's actually thank our patreon contributors first before we get into our main story okay. this week we had hannah katrina Bree, Joe, and Amy. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. This week, we are doing a movie versus reality, and the movie is the 1999 film Ravenous, starring Guy Pierce, David Arquette, and Jeffrey Jones, who is actually a convicted pedophile. He'll be his own show one day. <laughs> we have his own show. He's on our list. He's on our list. But that's not who the story is about. No. The story today, the movie versus the reality, is about a man named Alfred Packer, who this film, ninth, the 1999 movie Ravenous, his, it's like very loosely based and inspired on this guy's story. And when I read like, oh, it's loosely based, I was like, oh, so they just were like, oh, a cannibal existed, so we're going to make this horror movie. I was really worried that it was going to be so loosely, so loose that I wouldn't have much to talk about the movie. But the movie actually did have a lot of similarities to this story. And I do recommend the movie. Okay. It was fun. It's like marketed as a horror comedy, but it's creepy. It's Mm -hmm. scary. And... It takes place in the mid-19th century. It's like during the Spanish-American War. It's like Guy Pierce looking very rugged mm-hmm. and cute. And it's good. Right. By the way, the trailer is terrible. It's awful. So I would not go based on the trailer. Just watch it. I thought it was... Did you watch it? I've seen a bunch of it because I think I told you a friend randomly was showing me stuff from it a few months ago and then when you mentioned it i was like oh it's like weird that i had never heard of this movie before but yeah so i I like i enjoyed it i mean i'm sure it's not for everybody but i was enthralled probably because i had just done all the research so i was like oh oh okay yeah you're making connections i see 
Oh, and the other actor I love in the movie that I'm so stupid I forgot is Robert Carlyle. Yes. I fucking love him. He's great. He's not in enough. I mean, he's in a lot of movies, but every time I see him, I get really excited. He's really good. You know what he was really good in? I watched the show very briefly. It was called like Once Upon a Time, and he played Rumpelstiltskin in it. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. He was really, he was like the only reason I continued watching. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, is he Scottish? I think so. I think he's Scottish. Mm -hmm. He's, he always plays like a mangy creepy guy who's also kind of hot in a creepy right. way he's good looking he is wasn't he in the full monty too yes that was that his was his breakout. first big breakout role he's yeah, great he's adorable in that we're fans mm-hmm. okay so let's talk about alfred packer so the book i read for this episode is called man eater the life and legend of an american cannibal it is by harold schechter can you pronounce that <laughs> hold on a second Schechter. 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 look this guy is a very accomplished true crime author okay and he's very smart and he look i'm not judging him he, by his name yeah okay I, I i just butchered his name so i feel terrible okay all right it was a it was a good book i recommend it it was very interesting so uh alfred packer that's who this is about all right, so in 1858, the gold rush in California had all but dried up to prospectors. There was a new hotspot in town, and this was the southern Rocky Mountain region of Colorado. This was dubbed the New El Dorado. The Denver area at this point was popping. It was, like, blowing up. The population was exploding, and settlers were all pouring in looking to get rich. The hype died down for a bit during the Civil War, but by 1860, it was on and popping again, and new folks were looking to travel to Colorado to find their own fortune, this time silver as well as gold. In October 1873, 31-year-old Alfred Packer read an article in the Denver Tribune titled The San Juan Silver Mines. The article boasted that the San Juan region of Colorado was rich with silver and other valuable minerals. At this time, Alfred was living as a drifter, so he had nowhere else to be. And he's like, well, I'm going to head up there and strike it rich. Of course. Who else is going? Uh, He didn't have any money, so he had to sort of weasel his way into a wagon party to get there. And he (laughs) did. So let's talk about a little bit of his backstory. Alfred Packer was born Alfred Packer on November 12th, 1842 in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. His mother was named Esther, and his father, James, was a carpenter. He was one of eight children. Not much is known about Alfred's childhood, except that he suffered from epilepsy and was prone to seizures, and that he also at one point became very skilled at leather making. At 19, he fought for the North in the Civil War, and the change of his name from Alfred to Alfred actually came while he was in the war, and he got a tattoo of his own name on his arm, but he was so illiterate that he spelled it Alfred. And That's insane. <laughs> so that became his name. That just became so he his changed name. his whole name because of yes. the tattoo fail. I Sorry. love that dedication, though. I mean, I really love. He's like, I'm not owned. No, I'm, I'm not. not owned. <laughs> I'm a drifter. I'm a drifter. I'm no not, one knows what my is, name is. This is my name now. Alfred is a perfectly acceptable name that's widely used. <laughs> You've never heard of it. But get with it. Honestly. I, I was wondering, because I just assumed his name was Alfred, and I was like, why is Rachel saying it so stupidly? But I wasn't going to say anything, because I was like, well, maybe that's like a San Francisco thing. You know what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having so much faith in me. (laughs) It's a 
okay. I know you're a woman because you didn't say anything because a guy <laughs> would have at replied me immediately and been like, actually, it's pronounced Alfred. Right. No. I'm no, just bitch. Like, it's okay. I read the book. It's Alfred. <laughs> Alfred. And that's what we will be calling him. Okay. Because that's his name. Okay. Alfred had a habit of bending the truth. He was a bit of a liar, but nothing too sinister, mostly just to make himself sound cooler. Mm-hmm. Like, he said that he served directly under Custer in the war, but he didn't at all. He didn't even serve with him at all. Uh, Alfred ended up heading west, and he was discharged from the army due to his epilepsy, and then he wound up in Colorado in search of gold. But his violent seizures continued. By 1871, Alfred moved to Utah, where he worked as a copper miner and developed lead poisoning. Two years later, Alfred would read the enticing article in the Denver Tribune about the silver mines in the San Juan Mountains. So now, like I said, he's got to get there. Bob McGrew and George Tracy were also interested in striking rich at the silver mines of Colorado. These two men owned a pair of wagons and some horses. One night, Alfred introduced himself to the two men at the Bingham Canyon campsite where they resided. Alfred was described in the book as being a strapping young man with long black hair and a goatee. I mean, he really looks like Trent Reznor circa 1997. <laughs> I was just thinking, like... But played by Jared Leto because he has really piercing blue eyes. Oh, he does? Yeah. Let me show you a picture of him. Also, I love that he's like... I was laugh. I was funny before I even knew that when you were like, he's like the silver thing. I was like, oh, because he's like goth. <laughs> into totally. the silver jewelry he's into silver jewelry and like wears just black pants all the time yeah i can't wear gold yeah any yeah oh, hold on let me find it like a younger picture of him yeah i need to see this like look at those like soulful eyes oh <laughs> i mean his hair is crazy <laughs> yeah he does have a, like a trent reznor but he has like the colonel sanders bow tie <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying is it's Jared Leto gets cast to play Trent Reznor. No one on Twitter is happy about it. Right. This is what it looks like. Yeah. This is what it looks like. Okay. Alfred meets these two guys who have a wagon and a pair of wagons. They're going to Colorado. And he's like, yo, can I get a ride with you guys? I'm broke, but I used to live there so I can help guide you guys in the area so I can definitely be of some help. Bob McGrew recalls that Alfred used to dunk on the Mormons a lot and argue about how dumb their religion was. Hmm. So I just thought that was like a funny tidbit. Yeah. Like He'll entertain us with Mormon dunks. Yeah. They, they thought he was like an interesting guy, yeah. I guess. On November 1st, 1873, Alfred, Bob McGrew, George Tracy, along with the other men in their wagon party, set out on the 400-mile journey to Colorado. There were 19 men in total embarking on the trip. Shortly after the crew began their journey, two other men joined the trip. Preston Nutter. What? And and Oliver D. Lautzenheiser. Preston Nutter was in... (laughs) Look, this guy is going to come up a lot in the story, does he? Okay, so I need to calm down. Well, because he sucks also. Oh. Sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) Preston Nutter was immediately concerned about the journey. He was like, uh, we did not pack enough food. Like, he was just like, everything was a fucking problem. Right. You know? And they're probably like, shut up, Preston. Shut up, Nutter. <laughs> go nut. And go nut. Uh, he was like, we did not prov- pack enough provisions. And Alfred scoffed and was like, dude, chill. Not only did we pack enough shit, but we're going to make it there in 20 days. 
Wow. He was like... He's confident. Totally. So Preston and Alfred immediately just start butting heads. Mm -hmm. It's like... You know when you meet someone and just right off the bat, you're like, I fucking hate that person. Yes, And both I do. of you have the same feeling. Totally. Yeah. I've had that happen many times. Right. <laughs> Although I think they usually like me. <laughs> I'm just saying. No. So, I mean, I know. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like just how you know you like someone right away. Right. There's just certain people. Like yeah. Desi and I, when we first met. Right. There was no like warming up period. No. It was just instantly we, like. We instantly bonded. Yeah. Okay. So at first the trip seemed to be running smoothly, but by the time the crew reached the Grand River, Lautzenheiser was like, this dude has no idea where we're going. What the, f- I thought he said he could knew the area. <sighs> he was like, Alfred, like. So he so clearly was full of shit. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this guy likes to talk, talk. And so as if like to make matters worse, their grudge, like Lautzenheiser and Preston Nutter, their grudge against him is like growing. They're like, "Uh, Andy's going to get us fucking lost. Right. right? Preston Nutter also, like even before he really got to know Alfred, like he decided he didn't like him because he had heard a rumor that he had spent time in jail. Oh, so he's like, "This is a bad guy. Yeah. This is a very bad guy." And he, he was like, so judgy. And he and and the rumor was like, not only was he in jail, but he was in jail because he he was quote, this is his quote, caught in a house of prostitution. I like how the old West is simultaneously like free for all, but also there's still that very religious sort of like uptight, like well, and I just love this like judgy attitude of everyone i'm like you guys literally owned people right like who are like oh you're mad I mean, he fought he fought for the north that counts for something <laughs> yeah but i'm just saying this like whole like oh oh right he uh-huh. also ill repute uh-huh. <laughs> 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 totally so Nutter and Lostenheiser were not quiet about their dislike for him either like they would just outwardly bitch about him right they were probably annoying the rest of the people in the wagon I mean, it has party. to be very awkward because it's like a small group of people <laughs> <laughs> they're all traveling there together yeah uh they would bitch and moan about like the whole way about their dwindling supplies and being like who is this clown you know yeah. just like just jabbing this guy yeah it's too late at this point right and bob mcgrew was like come on guys he's not that bad like Aww. you know and He liked him. He liked Alfred, but he also felt sorry for him because of his epilepsy. But Alfred did not know where he was going, and he did not have the skills to properly guide the party. They struggled fording a river near the Colorado border, and their food was running low. Tensions ran high amongst the men. There was a French guy there named Jean Cabazon that the men referred to as Frenchy. A man man in the group named George Driver started calling Jean Puppy. So... Jean, and he, like as an insult like right. all right puppy so jean shat back shat <laughs> this is getting interesting <laughs> so jean shot back if i am a puppy then you are a son of a bitch wow i thought that was a good insult it's pretty clever. so i included it in january of 1874 the men were exhausted and malnourished they met Chief Ure, the leader of the Ute tribe, who offered the men a place to stay and rest up. Chief Ure warned the party that if they didn't wait until spring, that they would not make it to their final destination. On February 2nd, a few of the men, including Lautzenheiser, decided to break from the party because they were getting squirrely. They didn't want to wait around till spring. So they're like, fuck you, we're going ahead. 
you know, always a great idea when someone who knows the area right. is like warning you not to do it. And you just think a classic white man, hubris, right. like just classic. We know. They're like, we know better. We're going to go ahead. So they did. When Alfred tried to go with them, Lautzenheiser pointed a gun at him and was like, you better not. <laughs> Wow. They were fucking like, we don't want you in our fucking wagon party anymore. <laughs> we're sick of you, man. We're fucking sick of you. So he stayed behind. By the time Lautzenheiser would make it to the next camp, it was only himself and another man named Mike. They explained to the cowboys who were in charge of the camp that three other men were stuck out in the snow. They were able to rescue the men, but they were all fucked up. And temperatures in this area at this point had dropped as low as negative 10 degrees. So it's oh, cold as yeah, fuck. It's, it's winter in the Rocky Mountains. I mean. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Just a week after Lautzenheiser and his group of men left the Ute camp, Alfred Packer and five other men decided to try their luck and forge ahead. Among the men in Alfred's group was George Noon, a 16-year-old boy, Israel Swan, a 60-year-old man, Frank Miller, a German butcher, and Shannon Wilson Bell a man from Michigan, and also there was a man from Philadelphia named James Humphrey. Chief Ure begged the men not to go. The snow was deep, and they would surely die out there. But these men were stubborn. <laughs> but the, I'm cutting that out. But the, and they would surely die out there. But these men were stubborn, so he reluctantly drew a map in the snow for them. George McGrew accompanied Alfred's party for a day, but he turned back the following morning. On April 2nd, 1874, the rest of the original party left the Ute camp and headed off to where the men before them had headed off, the Los Pinos Indian Agency. Among these men who had listened to Chief Ure's advice was Preston Nutter. <laughs> <laughs> I know, his name is so stupid. <laughs> he sounds so nebbish. Like, it's just such a... <laughs> Preston Wait, Nutter. Wait, see a picture of him. <laughs> just look him up. <laughs> Just pause. <laughs> I have to pull up Preston Nutter. Dude, he looks like the uh, safari hunter guy in Jumanji. Oh my god! Like he has that same facial hair. Is that him? That's him. <laughs> <laughs> Want to describe him for our listeners? He looks kind of like a countrified Monopoly man, <laughs> or like like yeah. the Pringles guy. <laughs> He's like a non-sexy Sam Elliott. Like he has like a big gray handlebar mustache yeah he seems annoying yeah damn so preston nutter he leaves at the right time he leaves in april but before he gets there alfred packer arrives at the los pinos indian agency alone just himself testimonies from the cowboys who worked at the camp varied about the state that alfred was in when he arrived some said he was emaciated and hungry and others sa said that he seemed well-fed. But all of the cowboys said that Alfred told them the same story upon his arrival, that he had set out with five other men and that they had abandoned him when his feet became frozen. So Preston Nutter gets to this camp, and Alfred's there, and he's like, uh, where are all your men? And Alfred was like, I have no idea. Soon Alfred said, you know what? I'm over Colorado. Uh, I think I'm going to head back to Pennsylvania. I'm kind of broke. I'm, right. I'm over it. I'm just going home. Alfred accompanied Preston Nutter and his men on their 11-day journey to the town of Sawatch. Along the way, Preston noticed something odd, that Alfred was carrying a large skinny knife that had belonged to Frank Miller, the German butcher. 
When confronted about the knife, Alfred explained that Frank had stuck the knife in a tree and abandoned it, so he took it. But Preston Nutter was not so sure about that. He's Mm. like, this guy's fucking sketch. When the party reached their next destination, Sawatch, Colorado, Alfred stayed at Dolan's Saloon. Once he was there, he spent $100 at the bar, which is close. Wow. It's close to $2,000 today. Damn. Yeah. He was thirsty. Yeah. The, and the money he spent was like pretty much all on booze while he was there. Really? He also spent a considerable amount of money playing poker. The other men in Alfred's party, the original party, they looked on at his spending with extreme suspicion because this guy had literally said like 11 days ago, oh, I'm going home because I'm broke. Right. Like I'll go on this next leg of the trip, but I'm going to ma- I'm ma- I'm making my way back to Pennsylvania, basically. I can't afford to do this anymore. Alfred befriended James Dolan, the owner of the saloon. He then took over bartending duties when needed and slept on the floor. He, he chose to stay at the saloon because he didn't he knew that the other men that were there, they didn't like him. And James Dolan even recalls Alfred offering him money should he need it. He's like, hey, I got some money. Yeah. If you want some. Had a good night at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Alfred told his new friend the harrowing time that he had in the wilderness, surviving on rosebuds. But James recalled Alfred looked like he had been well fed, just kind of scraggly in appearance. Yeah. But he was like, he doesn't look starving. Right. At this time, as suspicions ran high about Alfred, he decided it was best to just get out of Dodge. And on May 1st, 1874, Alfred prepared to leave town. Before leaving, he stopped at Mears General Store and then had breakfast with General Charles Adams, who was the head of the Los Pinos Indian Agency. Alfred once again told his story of wandering the frozen mountains with his men. Later, General Adams went to the same general store that Alfred had just been to earlier, the owner, Otto Mears, was like, dude, that Alfred Packer guy is sketch. I heard he's been to jail before. And he also bought a really expensive leather bridle. So just keep like, an eye on that. Yeah. Guy. And where, meanwhile, where are the men in his party? Why is he just showing up to these? Like, why do he show up alone? Yeah. You know? So General Adams offered to help Alfred Packer search for his men. So he... Him, Alfred, Otto, and Adam's wife set out to find the men in Alfred's party. They headed back to the Los Pinos Indian Agency. Halfway through their trip, they ran into George Tracy, one of the men from the original party of 21. George was like, yo, what happened? Alfred told George the same story he told everyone else, except this time he said, Israel Swan died. Israel was the oldest member in Alfred's party. By the time they made it back to the Los Pinos Indian Agency, the rest of the original Utah party had made it there. And they were all like, where's the men? Where's your guys? What's going on? And immediately they're like, oh, my God, Alfred murdered those men. Like they just start hurling accusations at him. Wow. And they start calling for him to be lynched. General Adams was like, now everyone slow down and figure it out. Like, let's hold on now. (laughs) Everyone just wait a minute. It's like that wait movie, any Wild West movie. Right. There's always like the one like Jimmy Stewart character. Right. That's how I imagine Where him. he's like the voice of reason. Right. They're outside the jail with like fire, like pitchforks. Right. And he's like, hold on now. Hold on. Let's hear what he we're has to a say. Country, we're a law, country of laws. Right. <laughs> 
we're a, we're men. We're people. Get them. Yeah. We're it's not like the Simpsons. Yeah, now like we're is... not animals here. <laughs> Let's not lose our humanity. <laughs> Sorry. That's totally so that's totally the Jimmy Stewart character. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So General Adams is like, okay, Alfred, come into my office. Let's talk. All right, we'll talk. Let's have a little chat. That's never good when anyone's like, let's have a little, let's have a chat. Yeah, I kind of just immediately sighed and was like, okay. Well, it just reminds me of high school. Yeah. Where it was like the the like this teacher that you would don't feel bad say, for me. Let's have a chat to somebody. <laughs> no. And it's not good. It's no. never good. No, it's never good. So he's like, let's have a chat. And he's like, level with me. Where did you get all this money from? What's going on with that? And Alfred told him that, oh, well, I borrowed money from an old family friend named Kincaid back in Sawatch at the bar like i saw him there Mm -hmm. and adams was like okay so he's like sends one of his employees back to to watch to check on that story because he thinks it's a little fishy later that day alfred was seen by an employee of the agency throwing shit into the creek it was presumed to have been two billfolds that Otto Mears had seen in Alfred's possession when he was at his store paying for shit. Like he oh. pulled out some one by accident and then he pulled out another like he Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> it was in one of these wallets. <laughs> <laughs> so these were billfolds that could have belonged to the missing men. This was the assumption. When General Adams's employee returned from Sawatch, he told him that Kincaid said he never gave Alfred any money. Mm. Fucking Kincaid blew his cover. Yeah. So, like, damn it. Yeah. So, <laughs> should have been a little smarter, like, yeah. not to pick something easily accessible. Like, totally. Oh, no, did I say? No, I meant the other. <laughs> I meant Shincade. Something further away. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Once more, General Adams pressed Alfred for the truth. What happened to those men? Alfred sat in silence before finally answering. It wouldn't be the first time that people had been obliged to eat each other when they were hungry. (laughs) Well, you got me. (laughs) I was obliged. (laughs) Well, if you were obliged, that's a horse of a different color. (laughs) Oh, well, you should have said you were obliged up front. All this silly stuff for nothing. Alfred then burst into tears and gave his confession to Adam's. A teary-eyed Alfred Packer told General Adams that his party struggled with an adic- with an inadequate supply of food. And whose fault was that, Alfred? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and that after 10 days, 60-year-old Israel Swan was the first to succumb to starvation. The party decided that there was only one way of survival, to eat him. They roasted chunks of his flesh over the campfire and hungrily ate them. A few days later, James Humphrey was the next to die. The remaining four men ate him too. 
<laughs> this is like a sick nursery rhyme. <laughs> and then there were three. <laughs> I chewed on his knee. <laughs> okay. Alfred admitted to taking the cash inside of a billfold that he had had on him. $133. A few days after James Humphrey died, Alfred went in search of firewood. When he returned to the campsite, he said that Shannon Wilson Bell and George Noon had killed Frank Miller, the butcher from Germany. And so the three... And an ironic twist. <laughs> they butchered the butcher. Butch this. So he's just out looking for firewood. Perfectly innocent. And he comes back and he's like, oh my God, you killed Frank. How many days has passed? It seems like they're killing people really fast. Is this a long period? This is like they're eating people in week intervals. Okay. Like okay. week-long intervals or a few-day-long. So people are very conveniently dying when they run out of body <laughs> from the last person. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much how it's going. So the th three remaining survivors ate Frank Miller over the campfire, and they left his body behind as they made their way ahead. A few days after that, Shannon Wilson Bell shot George Noon with Israel Swan's gun. Alfred and his one remaining co-traveler ate him too. As the pair continued their journey, they promised they were not going to eat each other. I love that Pinky conversation. Swear. <laughs> sure. But that while they made that promise, one looked like a hamburger and one looked like a hot dog. <laughs> I that cartoon the bugs bunny one that well, has never left my mind where they're chasing each other and the fat one looks like a hamburger and the skinny one looks like a hot dog dude, i think of it all the time but that's like every cartoon from the 1950s right. or 40s where it's like they're like on a desert island and someone turns yeah. into a ham and they're trying to cook bugs bunny but he's too crafty he right. gets out of it and then they have to chase each other right oh man right so uh i've seen cartoons i know what we're talking about <laughs> but they promise we're not, I mean, imagine how awkward that conversation is. Yeah, because you know you're going to do it. Yeah, you're like, you're giving it. each other the Larry David stare down. Right. Like, you're not going to eat me. Are you, are you going to... And when they're like killing each other, that music starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But that promise would soon be broken. <sighs> While retiring at their campfire, Shannon got hungry. According to Alfred, this is a quote from him. Bell arose and, taking his rifle, aimed a blow with the butt end at me. The blow missed and the stock, striking a tree, broke off. Alfred said he killed Shannon in self-defense. Alfred stayed at the campsite for the next few days, eating the flesh of the remaining man in his party. And before he left, he took some of the flesh with him for the road. Two weeks later, he arrived... A doggy bag. <laughs> Two weeks later, he arrived at the Los Pinos Indian Agency, just a day after he ran out of human meat. Wow. Very lucky. Yeah. General Adams had Alfred recite his confession to several others, including Otto Mears and members of his staff. Like, he was like, oh, you guys need to get in here. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> now, one more time. <laughs> you tell that story again, Alfred. <laughs> and he did. And he was very apologetic about it. And right. like, I'm so mortified. My bad. I'm so yeah. embarrassed yeah. that I ate five people. Yeah. A General Adams then sent a letter detailing Alfred's confession to his superior in D.C., Edward Parlamay Smith, the commissioner of Indian affairs. While General Adams believed Alfred Packer when he said that he ate his fellow travelers out of necessity, 
Preston Nutters believed something a little more sinister. (laughs) Now, hold on. Did you send that letter? (laughs) Preston was convinced that Alfred murdered these men and that he was a cannibal. Adams was like, well, then let's go back to this campsite that Alfred ate Shannon Bell at and see what's what. Let's see what evidence we can find. Okay. So him, Alfred, Preston, and a few other men from the original Utah party set out to the site, which was at Lake San Cristobal. Among the men headed out to the site was Constable Herman Lauter. He was there to make sure that the other men were protected from Alfred should anything go awry. Four days into their journey, Constable Lauter noticed that Alfred was carrying the skinning knife that had belonged to the butcher. The constable was like, hey, give me that. And Alfred rushed towards him with the knife. But he was subdued and the knife was taken away. Not a good look. No. If you're trying to prove that you're innocent. Right. To be like, I'm going to try and kill this guy right now. I'm going to skin him. (laughs) As they were nearing the site where Shannon Bell was alleged to have been killed and eaten, Alfred suddenly didn't know his way around the area anymore. Preston Nutter was like, you know what? I think you did kill him and you should be hung for it. And Alfred was like, well, you know what? Why don't you just find them yourself? And he stormed off. So Alfred was sent back to the Los Pinos Indian Agency and arrested. He was then put in the jail. He was then put in jail in Sawatch. Meanwhile, the men found no evidence of Shannon Bell's body, but they did find evidence that someone had lived there for a while. When Alfred was in jail, news of the cannibal made headlines. The Rocky Mountain News recounted Alfred's confession. The article claimed that Alfred had actually gotten a taste for human flesh. Post-Donner Party or pre? Yes, post-Donner uh-huh, Party. Okay. So the newspapers, they had no... They did not care about saying guy who's suspected of being a cannibal. They were like man-eater, in, yeah. jailed in Sawatch. Whoa, here he comes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... Okay. You know, explain what just happened? Were your little stunt? <laughs> I made a joke right while Rachel took a sip of water and she had to go to the bathroom to spit it out. So Rachel does spit, you guys. <laughs> okay. So in the town. So the headlines are all like, he's a cannibal. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, what's the difference? He is a cannibal. He admitted to eating. Yeah. Is like is it like a more of a crime if he killed well, them? Well, they're like Andy likes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's can't you can't prove that. Right. <laughs> Unless you see him. But that's probably like a I love the idea you got a taste for it. Right. Like, I mean, how good is it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, that's sort of like the plot of Ravenous. Oh, is it is. The people he, get a taste for it. Yeah, is that there's like you're addicted to it. You become addicted to eating human flesh. Uh-huh. So what maybe once started out as necessity, survival, yeah. necessity, you get addicted to it. In August of 1874, John A. Ra- Randolph, an illustrator for the magazine Harper's Weekly, set out on an assignment not too far from Lake San Cristobal. It was while he was out hiking around that he discovered the mutilated remains of five bodies. John Randolph called for help. According to the testimony of one of the miners who was on the scene, he said that one of the bodies looked like a giant chunk of flesh had been cut away at the thigh. Four bodies were laying together and covered with blankets. 
The fifth body was laying separately with its head cut off. According to the prospectors at the scene, the bodies looked as if they had been killed by a hatchet to the head or some other kind of blunt force trauma. Meanwhile, John Randolph, as everyone's on the scene scrambling, like, oh, my God, right. get the fucking police, get the constable, whatever. Yeah. Like, John Randolph was like, this is great. And he's sketching. And, and the prospectors and miners were like, this guy's drawing a picture right now. Yeah. Like, he's sketching the scene. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Hold on. Hold on, guys. Don't move. Don't move that body. <laughs> Just two days after the discovery of the bodies, Packer escaped from jail. And this was a really shitty jail. It was like a log cabin. Okay. Basically. Like, Sawatch is like a small town. Right. They didn't have like a fancy jail there. Just like basically Lincoln Logs. It was like a Lincoln Log jail. He just like picked up a piece. (laughs) (laughs) Popped out the window. Basically. Pushed the green roof off. Is there a theory that he basically killed them all just to eat one? Yes. So he didn't, eat them. he didn't do it, but he didn't, he can't possibly eat five bodies in one sitting, right? <laughs> I'm just saying he killed them all to eat one or do you know what I mean? Like he was in that camp surviving off of them for a while. Yeah. He was like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause the bodies weren't scattered. They were all in one location. Right. Right. That's where they found them all together. Okay. And his story, and his story was that they were progressively killed as, as they, they were, went along. Mm-hmm. Right. By September, news of Alfred Packer the cannibal and bloodthirsty murderer had reached newspapers across the nation. He was painted as like this devil, evil man who murdered sleeping men and stole their shit. There was no, like I said before, there was no alleged murderer. He was just... He did it. He did it, and he's a cannibal, and he likes it. And they were also sort of making up stuff. Like, he says his favorite part of the body is the breast. And <laughs> on men, <laughs> sorry, that's what is apparently according according to these newspapers, Alfred thought it was the sweetest part of the body. Oh, so that's just what they said. That's mm-hmm. not what I said. The chicken tender. <laughs> it's tender. He likes white meat. Mm-hmm. There was a warrant for Alfred Packer's arrest with a handsome reward attached. Alfred, however, would vanish for the next nine years. Whoa. Yeah. In March of eighteen eighty three. Jean Frenchy Cabazon, mm. old Cabazon makes an appearance in the story wow. again, right? One of the original 21 men from Alfred's party that had traveled from Utah back in 1873 was now living up in Wyoming. He checked into a roadhouse and there he heard the distinct high-pitched voice of someone he hadn't seen or heard from in nearly a decade. He was introduced to this man who called himself John Swartz. Jean, I'm sorry, John, wait, <laughs> it's Sean. Jean. Jean noticed that he had a pair of really shitty looking false front teeth. Holy shit, it's Alfred Packer. Wait, so this is the first we're hearing about his high pitched voice, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm surprised. I had to put it in there. They chatted for a bit, and the next morning, Jean Cabazon went to the sheriff and narked on Alfred's ass. Wow. He's like, You are a son of a bitch. <laughs> I just love in a movie when a minor character. Has yeah, a they fucking... make a little reappearance. You're like, oh. Oh, that person. Frenchie. Frenchie. Okay. And on March 12, 1883, Alfred Packer was arrested. While Alfred was being transferred to a jail in Cheyenne, hordes of onlookers gathered to get a glimpse of the cannibal in the flesh. 
The mobs of people and reporters would continue as Alfred and the police traveled to a jail in Denver. On the way to Denver, Alfred was reunited with General Adams of Sawatch. What happened, Packer? You look like shit. (laughs) (laughs) At first, Alfred maintained the same story that he had always told everyone about his resort to cannibalism. But when pressed by Adams again, he changed his tune. According to Alfred Packer's second confession, Shannon Bell had murdered the other men in their party while Alfred was away from the campsite all day. When he came back, he found Shannon by the fire eating Frank Miller, the German butcher. Alfred described Shannon as a crazy redhead, and then I put in parentheses Justin Turner. (laughs) (laughs) He maintained that he killed Shannon Bell in self-defense. So now he's just like, you know what? It wasn't a survival thing. It was that fucking crazy ginger. He murdered everybody while I was out getting firewood. How dare he? Right. He's blaming, blaming the whole thing on this guy. Then there was a media frenzy, of course. One of the headlines of the article that I saw was called Human Jerked Beef. (laughs) (laughs) Is he the jerk? I'm sorry. (laughs) It's like beef jerky. Human Human jerked jerked beef. I guess they called it jerked beef back then, not beef jerky. That's highly erotic. (laughs) Why do you think I put it in the notes? (laughs) Alfred hired four lawyers, the best in town. He said that he got his money from silver mines. He was arraigned on March 18th. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's awfully suspicious. Like, like anyone's going to believe where he gets his money from now. Right. So he was arraigned on March 18th, 1883, and booked into Gunnison Jail in Colorado. Alfred was indicted for the murder of 60-year-old Israel Swan on April 5th, 1883. Prosecutors wanted to save the other murder charges in case he was acquitted. Alfred's lead attorney argued that because of the sensational news stories about his client, that it would be impossible for him to have a fair trial. But the judge was like, "Mm, fuck you, we're letting this go to trial. Alfred's trial began April 9th, 1883, and Preston Nutter was the first to testify against Alfred Packer, and he did so happily. He's been waiting for this day. Oh my God. He feels so smug about it. He's so happy. So... Since the summer of 1874, Preston had done quite well for himself as the head of an ore freighting business. He had also been elected to state legislator in 1881. Hmm. There's a famous quote that's attributed to the judge that presided over this case that actually he didn't really say, but it became so circulated that people believe that he said it but i thought it was fucking hysterical and it was basically like god damn it you son of a bitch there were five democrats in colorado when you ate them all (laughs) can't you eat a republican (laughs) well alfred fought for the north he was a republican oh well that's back when the parties were opposite right and so this judge was a democrat and he was like you ate all the republicans Or the Democrats. He weighed all the Democrats. Because of Alfred Packer's two different confessions, he came off as a liar and untrustworthy. I mean, I think he's a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Just a week later, Alfred Packer was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. Whoa. In 1885, Alfred's sentence was reversed, and after a second trial, he was convicted of five counts of manslaughter and sentenced to 40 years in prison. Packer maintained his innocence the whole time. 
Alfred Packer was released early on parole in 1901, largely with the help of Denver Post reporter Polly Pry. And this is kind of where I'm going to end this story because, I mean, this was a long book, but there was so much great... In, I mean, there was a lot of really... This was almost two episodes, mm-hmm. honestly, because there was this Polly Pry woman. She was the first female reporter for the Denver Post, one of their oldest reporters, like... She wanted, she was like desperate to get this guy off. I mean, maybe she wanted to get him off. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. So Polly's Alfred... going to pry his pants open. <laughs> <laughs> so Alfred, you know, once you're labeled a cannibal, you really can't get that stain out. Yeah. It's like, so he d- didn't have like, I mean, he was released. He was old. He was in his 60s. Right. I think he died when he was like 65. Okay. So, so he had a few years. Yeah, he had a few years. Uh, yeah. But still, we don't really know what happened. No, we don't know what happened. There was actually a new investigation that was opened, I think, like 30 years ago. Like, hey, what uh-huh. happened? Um, like I said, this this really could have been two episodes. So if you want to know more about this case, I suggest you... Read the book. You, you should read the book. It's a good book. Now, here's some fun stuff that I wanted to talk about okay. related to this. So I did not know that this guy is a bit of a folk hero in Colorado where like in the area he became a folk hero essentially. And at the University of Colorado at Boulder, students I think in 1970 voted to rename their cafeteria or their cafe, the Alfred Packer Cafe. Wow. (laughs) So um, I was like, good for them. Like, that's that's cute. I like that. He's like their Paul Bunyan. He's like their Paul Bunyan, but he's a cannibal, right. allegedly. So that's cooler. It's the Alfred Packer Restaurant and Grill <laughs> at the University of Colorado Boulder. I mean, and it's so hokey, too. And it's just hilarious to me because like, they have pictures of him on the walls and shit. So they did this as a, it's a joke, It was right? a joke, yeah. but like... Yeah, they're still going for it. Yeah, they're totally going for it. Okay, so here's a me- here's some of the menu. I Because, ha- of course, I had to yes, look at the course. menu. So for the salads... Uh, Al's Greens. <laughs> like Aww. Al Green. Yeah. Al's Greens and Salad Bars. Uh, Al's Lodge Panini. You can get that. You can get El Cannibal Mexican Specialties. <laughs> there's the Grab and Go Bar. And there's Al's Soup and Chili. <laughs> That's like when Wendy's, there was that finger right. chili. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, you can you can eat there uh, at the uh, at the. This is at the University of Boulder. This is at Boulder. This Uh is their cafe. Oh, it's good prices. They got chowder. (laughs) They got chili, meat or vegetarian. A bread bowl. I'll have the meat. (laughs) Dude, this there was a human stew that they made in the movie last night, and it looked so good. Even though really, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was just like beef they used, but it looked good. Yum! I love stew. I do too. And the movie you said is pretty much the same. No, not at all. It's not. But there were there's similarities. There were more elements than I thought that there would be. Yeah, like the characters and just certain elements of the story. I was like, oh, they included that, or oh, I they lifted right. that, or yeah, they lifted yeah. that from Alfred's story. Like just elements to it. There were more because ele- there was like a supernatural element to this movie or were they vampire or something mm, i can't remember i don't want to give too much away okay. i think you should see it i wouldn't say vampire but like i think you should watch the movie if you're interested in that stuff it's like 
a fun horror movie. It's yeah. not like the greatest movie of all time, but it's directed by a woman. So I'm trying to consume more women directed horror movies, mm-hmm. like just being conscious cool. of that. And so, I mean, and it has a good soundtrack. The guy from Blur did the soundtrack. Oh, so it, yeah. I thought it was a cool movie. It didn't do great. It did terrible at the box office, actually. But I mean, I recommend it if if you like cannibal shit. Cool. <laughs> and I thought, you know, we've done a haunting. We've done a right. slasher. Slasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, an exorcism. A possession. So why not do cannibal to round out? No, we hit it all. Round out good. Halloween month. Um, I feel like there was one more thing that I wanted to touch on and now I'm forgetting. Oh, the other piece of media that Alfred Packer inspired, directly inspired, is a 1993 musical by the South Park guys, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They did a musical while they were still in college at Boulder. Okay. Called Cannibal the Musical. I heard of this musical. I watched the trailer and it was so stupid that I was laughing my ass off. Yeah. Because I had also just researched all of this guy so So, you knew all the references and yeah it was i'm probably gonna watch it later like it was dumb it was dumb as hell i like dumb i like dumb too i'm sure i would think it was funny it was stupid cool yeah very interesting i actually did not know his story at all yeah i didn't either i don't think i have ever even heard of him cool so if you'd like to contribute to our patreon you can do that we have a ton of bonus content there right now (laughs) so you can get some cool content if you're always like looking for the next episode to drop there's tons like is there like a hundred things up there now probably it's a ton of stuff that you can check out um we also need reviews on itunes so if you don't have cash but you want to help us out you can go leave a five-star review on itunes we're running a contest right now too we're going to give a book away uh this is on the black dahlia so if you leave if you write a review you could basically are entered into this contest and we'll pick our favorite review at the end of the month. Um, what else? We have a Facebook group. Do you want to scold people? Yeah. If you want to get into the Facebook group, we let everyone into the Facebook group, but you have to answer some questions just to prove you're not a robot. One of the questions to get into the Facebook group is, will you read the pinned rules? And a few people have said no. So I'm not going to let you into the group if you say no, or if you say probably, or maybe not, or yeah. Just it's read, not funny. It's not It's not funny. I know you think you're being funny, but it's not funny. And the whole point, like... We want to avoid bots, but we also don't want to have pains in the ass just, in the group. No one wants that. Because it's a nice group. Everyone's fun. Yeah. So we want you to join. Just, right. Come on. No don't one, be 14 years don't old. Be fucking, just do it. Don't be a troll. It's so boring. <laughs> it's boring. It's boring. It's boring. So we'll, We're not offended. We're bored. We're bored. It's dumb. <laughs> like, you're not as funny as you think you are if you try and write a shit... Like, if you're trying to do, like, an edgelord answer. Yeah. So, yeah. Join the group. Yeah. Just fucking answer the questions. Just we answer love the you. questions. They're easy questions. Yeah. And then follow us on the other socials on Twitter and Instagram. We yeah. post a lot of pics there of the cases. Right. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye. Bye.